Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. And joining me today is Grass-Fed Bitcoin, also known as the Bitcoin Mechanic. He started his own podcast. Go check it out with his co-hosts, Keith Levine and Toma. It's called The Love of Bitcoin. And he's doing some incredible work uh, with the Start9 Labs team. Uh, we talk about that towards the end of this. And I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation around self-hosting. Before we do get into this show, please make sure you are taking control of your coins. This is a plea directly from me to you. If you've got any Bitcoin on an exchange or an app, it's time to take control. Use shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten to find the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. It's Bitcoin only. It's Swiss made. It has a bunch of great features and you're not going to be disappointed with this but guys seriously the message is take control okay use code bitten at uh, the store checkout as well to get five percent off anything in your cart now if you are stacking sats very very good for you but keep keep the pressure up this is a long-term game keep dollar cost averaging you can do that with these companies around the world CoinFloor now have merged over to uh, CoinCorner. That's coincorner.com. You can use the code BITTEN. That URL might be up and running by time of release. If not, just give it a day or two. In Europe, you can use relay.ch forward slash BITTEN. And across the pond, the US, you can use swanbitcoin.com forward slash BITTEN. Now, many of us want to get to a Bitcoin conference. The biggest event is going to be the one in Miami, 6th to 9th of April, 2022. Get some tickets, head over to uh, their website and make sure you use code BITTEN, all caps, at checkout. You'll get 10% off your tickets. Be safe in the knowledge that if you cannot travel due to COVID restrictions, the guys will give you a full refund. But don't worry about that. You'll be able to sell those tickets onto some other plebs nearer the time that are scrambling for them. Enjoy this rip with the Bitcoin Mechanic. We recording in progress with the Bitcoin Mechanic. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, you know, I'm surviving. How are you? Very well. At grass-fed Bitcoin in the house. Lauren, what do you got? What do you, what do you bring into the party today? Um, so I had, uh, I think it's your daughter. Is it that right? Uh, Violet? Yeah, I, I heard that she's on Galileo. Um, what are her favorite classes? Um, she's, well, she hasn't done one yet. She's oh. doing her first one as we speak. So, I mean, oh. I know she's doing French, she's doing arts and crafts, hmm. um, and uh, some other suspicious ones. Uh, but maybe we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be interested to know. <laughs> I do arts and crafts and French too. So. Oh, great, cool. Well, you'll see her there then. Oh no, they're on different time zones. Oh, good point. Fair enough. Yeah, you. Um, Lauren's gonna be off to bed in about I don't know half an hour, forty-five minutes. Or um, never. Forty-five 
five minutes mostly. Mm -hmm. But uh, wait, oh, wait, what? It's not early. Yeah. Any other questions? Um, why do you think Galileo was good for Violet? No, no, it's, it's just, you know, it, I had no, really no other questions. Yeah. You've exhausted yourself. Yeah. Yeah? I've had more. What, did, did you have any more or do you, um, what, how are you feeling right now? Where are you going with this? Have you figured out who he looks like yet? No. No? No. Ben Affleck, Batman. No? No. <laughs> he just he, he just reminds me of someone it'll be funny we'll be watching a movie one day and she, that, that's him that's the guy from the podcast <laughs> i mean what are you saying like you know yeah there's denzel washington what do you like, like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right what well, do you want to say good night uh, uh yeah uh, good night goodbye um have a good podcast all right au revoir au revoir well, cheers, mate. Thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, where are we going to take this? We could take this in a thousand different directions because we've had a few discussions prior and uh, enjoyed them, gone down many, many different rabbit holes. Uh, I think we've touched on music. You put me in touch with Keith. Really looking forward to having a chat with him. Uh, Keith Levine, mm -hmm. for those that don't know, who's a lead guitarist, well, was the lead guitarist and founding member of The Clash. And you're doing a podcast with him and Toma, which I've listened yeah, to. Right. Yeah, and I've listened to uh, your episode about separating education from state, funnily enough, uh, because I'm a big proponent. Uh, yeah, brilliant rip, man. Like, really, really good. I'm looking forward to diving into a few more of those episodes. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We started the podcast about six months ago, I think. And um, yeah, it was a none of us have met in person, of course, because <clears throat> this is this is Bitcoin, right? Um, not even I'm not even going to credit COVID with preventing us from meeting. It's just the reality that Bitcoin, um, uh, you know, brings people together from all over the planet. Um, Tomar is Canadian, though, and I live in Canada, but I think he's closer to Britain than he is to where I am in Canada. That's how massive a country Canada is. So, <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it's been a great podcast. It's been great reaching out, connecting with Keith, establishing, finally meeting someone else that understands that music is the most fiat fucking thing, art. There's just nothing more fiat than art at the moment. And it's just trying for years to get anyone interested in anything. Bitcoin split in the Bitcoin space that that could had a, an ounce of defiance in their spirit at all. It just was impossible. Nothing could. Everything's just behave. Do what you're told. Like you know, <laughs> and follow, even when it follow is, the rules, uh, you know, follow like especially with music, right? You know, like where's the next boy band? Where's the next girl band? Girl band? Where's the next? You know, it's all X Factor. X Factor just completely 
or Britain's Got Talent or whatever. Yeah. It was just, um, you know, exactly. like formulaic, formulaic kind of, like it was cowl, wasn't it really? Like, you know, follow the yeah. formula and you'll be fucking successful. And if you're four or five yeah. half decent looking boys, one of you's got a bit of stubble, one of you's not completely black and not completely white. One of you's a little bit edgy with the tattoos. One might be gay, but we're going to keep asking ourselves that question. And yeah, then, exactly. Sing a few songs to a nice dancey beat, follow that, and you'll be number one within weeks. It's mental. Yeah, it's fucking mental. And it's, it's as processed as the food in the supermarket. There's nothing... If, if music is something your grandma would have recognized, right? Um, you know, a, a pineapple or a steak or, you know, a, a cucumber or something like that. Current music is the equivalent of, you know, monster munch or like just the most, something that is not, it's glowing orange. It's got high fructose corn syrup. It's got every other fucking invented piece of shit in it. And it's for some reason, just like with music, kids are able to deal with it and really, really respond to it. And then, you know, when you become an adult, you're like, I just can't eat this stuff anymore. My body can't deal with it. Like a kid can get away with processed music and it's catered to them. And a kid can live on, you know, McDonald's and all this nonsense food. But by the time you hit 20 and 30, if you carry on eating that stuff or listening to that kind of stuff, it's just not doable for your health anymore. And it's, it's so hard having kids like the music. Man, like the I bought some speakers. I bought some speakers for the front room and was like, we can't ever play Katy Perry's Raw through this. If I ever hear Katy Perry's Raw again, or the, like anything by Rihanna, Taylor Swift. Any, like, yeah, Taylor Swift, please, or Jesse J. Or you know what's funny is I used to play for some of these people. I used to you, know these people. You, you were yeah. in their bands, or you would like uh, you know uh, lay down tracks on the back of an album or so. I don't know the the language, mate. You know, deal deal with me here. Well, you had you had two worlds. You have you have the the session musician thing, and you have, well, no, I mean you have people that do stuff in studios, and you have people that do stuff live, and there's a lot of overlap. And you know, you have a few musical directors that are um, that are usually not. I don't want to be bitchy and all that stuff, but they're not exactly amazing musicians by any any respect, and that isn't really their job either. Their job is to sort of. Uh, liaise with people and know how to put teams together and all that stuff but there'll be a couple of them they're kind of the gatekeepers and and we're not talking about bands here we're talking about pop stars right mm. and pop stars have people behind them on stage playing instruments and no one has ever heard of any of them apart from other musicians trying to do the same thing so who's who's playing drums for beyonce who's playing guitar for Katy perry no one fucking knows no one gives a shit but that's the sort of thing i used to do and it pays relatively well, but it is the most bootlicking, like well-behaved, like just the, the amount of submission and like, because there's a million people that want to do it just for the clout of it. And it pays relatively well. So like the only thing you have to be okay with is hating the music you play. That's the, um, but being able to make it look fun. So there is nothing more. I used to say the only difference between this and being a prostitute is no one comes up to a prostitute and says, oh, you're so lucky you get paid to do what you love. No one says that to whores. <laughs> I'm like, but people keep saying that to me in music, and I'm not yeah. loving this. I really, like, oh, my God. So I fell out of love with that big time. And, what uh, instruments were you? Bitcoin 
What instruments Sorry? were you playing? What instruments were you playing for these guys? So mainly uh I was I was sort of split 50-50 between being a bass player and being uh, a keyboard player. Um I was I was a lot more into playing bass, but there's a lot more bass players and a lot fewer keyboard players. So if you're half decent as a keyboard player, the phone the phone will never stop ringing. Um, mm -hmm. So I did a lot of work like that, but I was never really, I didn't enjoy it as much. Being a bass player was a lot more fun. And don't get me wrong, there were gigs I did that were great. Um, That's my uh, question. What's like, what's like the, the best thing you did that is like one of your best memories and you're really super proud of, you know, pl playing for someone that you really respected, whether they, you didn't even, even really need to like their music, right? As long as you respected the person. And then at the other end of that, what was the sluttiest thing you did? Um, good question. I think I'll start with the, the, the bad end just so I can end feeling positive about something. <laughs> I think it was probably playing, doing a commercial, uh, for Tinchy Strider playing a keyboard on an iPad application. I think that was the sluttiest, shittiest thing I ever did in the music industry. Hands down. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. And I think it was a car phone warehouse commercial. Uh, I don't know if you remember Tinty Strider. He was a he, no. he was a fifteen minutes of fame. Had a number one, some rap record. I can't remember. No, um, I, I don't know who you're talking about. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully uh, some the, listeners do. The best the best thing I ever did was um, play for Donna Summer, and but that's a different generation, right? She was a pioneer, incredible. Uh, singer, incredible genre, absolutely honoured to play for her. Again, I had to be very well behaved on that gig. Uh, uh, the the MD that hired me was, you know, uh, not having any any playing around or anything like that. It's not you can't show up and act like Jimi Hendrix on a gig like that. You couldn't drop acid before that gig, you know. So sadly, that's just the even that like remains, you know, it's it's like the difference between what's what's written in the cypherpunk manifesto you know about using technology to evade the state and all that stuff and and then signing up for a coinbase account to buy some bitcoin like okay we're going to need a picture of it like they're so different from one another that you're almost like what how can this be the same thing like this is bitcoin this is this is crypto anarchy right this is uh anyone can buy it um you can spend it any way you like impossible for the state to to uh, to confiscate or to censor your transaction, anything like that. But then, if you want to use it in a way that's actually acceptable, and what what Bitcoin is sadly, what the ecosystem, at least what large parts of people see it as, is this sad uh, investment opportunity where you can make a lot of money because Bitcoin's number go up technology. All you have to do is, you know, uh, betray a bunch of principles. You know, uh, KYC, AML. Um, pay your capital gains tax, you know, uh, if you spend some, it's a taxable event, we've got to declare it, like, all of these things, it's, or even worse, like, oh, I want my retirement account, you know, to be, to have exposure to Bitcoin, so I don't own any Bitcoin, I just own GBTC or, or QBTC or whatever the hell, and it's a sad thing, and that's why uh, I end up championing, you know, making, uh, goading the state into being more hostile to Bitcoin. So as we get rid of these middlemen that make everything so presentable and so ingrained in the old system. Yeah.
<laughs> nice rent. <laughs> so, all right. Should we move on from music? Have we put a pin in the music? Yeah, man. We've we've we've. I've ended up back talking about music anyway, haven't I? I mean, about Bitcoin anyway. And yeah. it's nice to do. Like, right. So yeah. Let's talk about then. Um, clearly, there's something here because your your Twitter handle is at Grassfed Bitcoin. So there's there's a story behind big ag or the industrial food complex, uh, which a lot of us yeah. have fallen or are currently falling down that rabbit hole. Uh, you've obviously been down there. Um, where did that yeah. come from? i tell you what. Um, in my family, this has come up over and over again. And, I mean, we get we get red pill over and over again. Like, on Bitcoin Twitter today, everyone's, everyone's having a go at feminism, which is great. Feminism was my original red pill because I just was like, this, you have to, this was what first got me out of, you know, middle class, liberal, you know, just all of this embarrassing stuff that I can't believe I used to entertain back in my late teens. You know, feminism was the thing that gave me a wake up call. Cause I'm like, hold on a minute. I have to believe that these two things are the same when they're not, uh, that doesn't, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to believe that when, when it's obviously not true. And the people trying to get me to believe it do so forcefully. And they want to, uh, you know, they, there's various acts of, varying degrees of violence for people that refuse to kowtow to the ideology and also it's quite damaging and all this stuff and i just everyone that's talking to me about it i see them being i see them having to lie in order to push this on me so i mean that's one red pill but the nutrition red pill that's one that came up in my family for years because we got a uh, scottish blood in my family and uh someone super close to me was uh, apparently diagnosed with this, oh, you all have high cholesterol gene and stop eating high cholesterol foods. And, and as far as I understand it, the FDA has recently removed the recommendation that people with cholesterol problems should have any sort of dietary modification to compensate because it just doesn't make any difference, even though for years, for decades, we had it. I had my grandma telling me, don't, you can't have too many eggs because egg yolks are full of cholesterol and cholesterol is bad. And basically, there are two things that I've been told are bad, which is egg yolks and red meat. That's all I was ever told. Everything else is fine. Don't eat too much sugar, maybe. Like there's some housewife's tales about sugar not being great, but whatever. But it was egg yolks and red meat. And that's basically all I eat now because they're the only nutritious foods. And everything else is garbage. <laughs> like then you look, at, you look at the vegetables, look at what they've become. Like, I, I really agree with Saifedean's idea that an animal uh, doesn't need to be some sort of, it, the food of its own nature doesn't need to be a pesticide because it can bite you, it can run away from you, but vegetables can't. So that doesn't apply to fruit, and I'm okay with fruit, but then again, we bred fruit to be unrecognizable from what it was years ago, because it's so sweet now and so overpoweringly, yeah, it, again, it's, it's just another one of these areas that we've all fallen down. It's nice to see these people like untapped growth. I don't know if you've had him on your pod. Not um, yet. We keep but, missing each other, but he's coming. All right, good. Yeah, untapped growth is an amazing guy. Uh, I'm glad to know him. Um, the carnivory rabbit hole has been great. Uh, and I've, my health's improved a lot. My strength's improved a lot. <clears throat> and I've found things like my testosterone levels gone up a lot. Um, this agenda with food is is like, I think I'm, 
like every time I do the separation of state and something, whether it's the state and money, which is Bitcoin or the state and education, like with Galileo, I always think it's the most important one. But I think I consistently think separation of state and nutrition might be there's nothing more essential than eating healthy food. Like if you, and there this whole agenda they have with it's not a coincidence that meat is crazy expensive at the moment. That's not a coincidence. I'm this whether whether or not it's been orchestrated by some con, some ridiculous conspiracy theory or whether it's just something that people are you know happy to uh, to just give it a gentle nudge in that direction because they have this agenda anyway. I'm not sure which it is, but I know the scenario we're in, and I'm. It's a nightmare. I have to scramble to get some land and some cows because I know it's not going to be everyone else is going to be doing exactly the same thing a couple of years from now. And people at Untapped Growth are going to be like, sorry, bro, you're not my only friend. I've got I've got 200 other Bitcoiners that are willing to give me like tons of money to give them a constant supply of healthy, nutritious meat because all in the, you know, we've got billions of people to feed and none of the, all of them need something nutritious and they're not allowed to get it anymore. There's, there's going to be carbon taxes on top of whatever it is, and they're just going to make it so inconvenient. I tweeted this a year ago saying uh, one country within the next 12 months is going to make meat illegal. And then I added a caveat or just make it so difficult or expensive to get hold of that just it becomes for all intents and purposes illegal, even if it's still technically okay, like which is, you know, you know, like the idea of having a, a party or something like that, or just, you know, you, you can do it. You just, you don't need to have a vaccination, but if you don't have a vaccination, you can't do this or this or this or this, but you can do one of those things, but then you need to have a negative PCR test and, you know, all of these, these things. And I, I was thinking, yeah, it's going to be something like that with me. And I see that coming at the moment with the price. So definitely uh, I think the food, the food pyramid is, is responsible for perhaps more deaths than anything I can possibly think of in the genocide. Yeah. In a, I was talking to a modern tea man the other day, he's coming back on and he was, t he was calling it the biggest genocide we've, we'll, we'll ever witness. Like, and then when you think like people think, Oh, that's uh, you know, like what hyperbolic, like kind of statement, then you're like, all right, count up diabetic deaths, heart disease, obesity, um, name the rest you know you, you can link now people are saying you can link parkinson's and alzheimer's to to yep. a bad diet you know it, it doesn't I'm, I'm end a, i'm a long long firm believer that alzheimer's is a type of stage three diabetes which is just a life lived with a high amount of carbohydrates and refined sugars causes your brain to i mean it's been well established that um uh, well, I don't know how, how exactly to elaborate on that, but I do have experience with dementia, um, not personally, of course, but in my family. And I, I know the diets of the people that develop this stuff. And mm -hmm. it's, it, they, they lived according to the, to the rules that they were told by the food pyramid. I, I don't think you're being hyperbolic in the slightest when you consider it genocide. I think it's, I, I was reading a, a brilliant thread on Twitter a couple of nights ago. I think you might have retweeted it, uh, and that might be how I came across it. But someone was talking about, I think it was the seven-day Adventist Christians that were vegetarians back in the late 19th century. And they had this strong agenda to put, Kellogg was one of them. And they had this strong, strong agenda to push grains and nasty shit into, and to, all this stuff, breakfast, the most important meal of the day, you know, 
all of these mantras that are just absolute nonsense and what they mean? pushed it and pushed and but it was oh fair enough i'm gonna try and find it it's in one of my draft tweets it was there's nothing that i get heated up about like this because the the nutrition they pushed it also coincided exactly with the use of a bunch of products that were industrial byproducts that they figured they could put in food and they demonized animal fat at the same time so there was this thing called cisco which was like, aimed at housewives and it was like use this instead of lard or butter it's much healthier than animal fat because it's absolutely it's a it's a byproduct from processing cotton i think and it's eventually it became corn right that corn is just in right 99 of everything but at the time they were using cotton and you know there were just so many of these and like today's soy as well of course but Man. there's no lobbying for me like i remember vividly yeah, we, we we might be around the same age but uh, yeah i was saying like earlier what's a meme like you know breakfast is the most important meal of the day you know it's that that is a mainstream narrative that's just a name a meme that's just to get you eating the dog shit that they're trying to peddle you which is shitty cereals like of any shape size and laced in sugar and you know i, I went on a bit of a rant with modern tea man the other day about weetabix royal seal of approval on that dog shit i mean you <laughs> like you go back in time with a Weetabix to like 1885 and you turn up at a family breakfast and you present them. This is your utopian future, young man. Like, you'd be like, what would they, they're sitting down eating like smoked kippers and eggs and, you know, having a, a nice conversation around the table, all six of them. And like, oh my God, what like, the, the, look at this man from the future with this packed biscuit of byproduct that they've swept off the floor. And well, how would one eat this? Well, you drench it in milk and cover it in sugar and away you go and you're healthy and it makes you strong like what yeah how did we fall for that i don't get it and i mean what 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 makes it even funnier is that uh the the recipes change over time like even things like i ate cereal when i was a kid and nowadays there was another war another anti-nutrition war on salt and mm -hmm. i know you know about I remember it. you're from the uk there was yeah, these yeah. adverts everywhere on the side of buses, no more than six grams of salt a day. We yeah. all know, any nutritionist knows now, if you're a ketogenic, you can you can eat salt by the teaspoon and you'll just pee it all out. It's only when you have a massive insulin spike as a result of eating loads of carbohydrates that your body becomes unbalanced with regard to that. So again, rather than tackle the disease at source, which is stop everyone being you know, insulin resistant from eating way too much carbohydrate, let's just cut out all the salt. So they made everything they took all these things that were already terrible like processed foods like cereals in the first place and got rid of all the salt so that meant they tasted of nothing and what did they do they just replaced it with a bunch of artificial sweeteners instead making a bad problem even worse so i eat cornflakes now uh you know every now and again to check it out because i'm like there's nothing else around whatever i've got you know i've got no time ever sometimes you eat crappy food i don't have much discipline in my diet at all by the way but um, I'm saying I'll eat it and I'll be like, this is gross. It's not even like a fun treat like it used is to it, be. It doesn't even taste edible. It's absolute garbage. Like, so it's it's not even fun as an indulgence. That's what that's what I find so offensive about it. But mm -hmm. and this is what this is what kills me. Like, I'm in Mexico at the moment, and Mexico is the perfect like end diagram of all the bad things that can happen to nutrition. And it's, it's so sad. Like everyone from age of about nine or 10 is morbidly obese, like mm. fucking everyone. And it's, is I don't say this as an insult. I say this just out of like 
desperation and sadness. It kills me. Everyone here is all of the kids. Like the minute you can handle that shit till you're about eight or nine. But after that, these nasty vegetable oils, all these pesticides, all this stuff that some of which is illegal in North America, by the way, that still gets sold and used down here. It's just so toxic to people's bodies that that you just I've really struggled eating down here. Like anything I eat is just laced with stuff that just causes instant my body starts reacting and telling me something was in that that you shouldn't have eaten. The meat can be better than what you get in America, weirdly, but on on the other hand, it can be worse too. So it's difficult. And I do to yeah, just to to champion what you said, it's definitely like all of these diseases are diseases not of indulgence but of of just poor nutrition and bad bad science and and it it reminds me of like this is what i want to get into man it's Mm -hmm. like we have covid was a wake-up call for me but before that i genuinely did have this smug sense of superiority about being apparently scientifically minded and you know being I was the classic midwit. I thought I was better than everyone else because I would do what's counterintuitive because a scientist told me to. And and I'm just looking back, how long has this gone on? Like how long have we lived in a low trust society where I was trusting institutions that I shouldn't have been trusting? Because we trusted them with tobacco. Turns out tobacco isn't good for when you have a cough. We trusted them. Do you remember you know, those giving out like you, you look up old tobacco ads. Fucking hell, man! Talk about trust the science. Uh, yeah. You know, unbelievable. Yeah, and but I mean, when was that? I mean, that didn't end till the mid seventies, right? At, at that point, mm-hmm. at that point, it was the exact. The establishment was telling you cigarettes are maybe fine, probably fine. Yep. In fact, we think they're okay. They might not be, but we think they're okay. I'm not sure. Um, but, I'm not sure if we're around the same age. We may be, but my mum, when she was pregnant with me in the uh, in the the mid seventies, they oh, were pushing on pregnant women uh, Guinness. Get a pint yeah. of Guinness in you, because it's the iron, iron is good. Yeah. <laughs> Trust the science. What a load of well, shit. The most outrageous one I ever heard of was an exec from Coca Cola saying water's good for you, and the main ingredient in Coca Cola is water. So it's good for oh. you. That, that, was, <laughs> that was one of the best ones I ever heard. But hold on. I think, I think we might have a... I'm, I was born in 88. So oh. I might just look fucking... I'm well, I'm well ahead of you. Stuff. I'm well ahead <laughs> yeah. of you. Yeah. Well, we've only ever met on over, over Zoom. So uh, I wouldn't... Dude, uh, the the camera puts 10 pounds on us, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> well, so I'm wondering how far back does it go with bullshit? Because... No one's lobbying for for your local farmer raising cows. No one's going to Congress and saying, meat's really good for you, beef liver, you know, be, eat the pancreas, eat the heart. It's really good for you. Nose to tail carnivore, like Sean Baker, you know, will, will champion, and I, and I love him for that. You know, no one's doing that because they're too busy raising cattle. And, you know, there was a milk thing for a while. I don't, I don't particularly, dairy, I'm, I'm on the fence about. It doesn't seem, I don't seem to agree with it super well, but then untapped growth and these people are saying, you haven't drunk a pint of raw milk. Talk to me when you've had raw milk. Like the shit you're getting in the supermarket is not a good example of dairy. And there's a lot then of we come back to the, There is. Yeah, I, 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 I can attest. I can attest. There is a lot of Well, difference. then we come back to what sparked this whole thing. My, my Twitter handle, which is grass-fed Bitcoin, which is just 
you know, you've got to do it right. You've got to eat, if you're going to eat beef and if you're going to drink milk or cream or butter or any of that stuff, getting the grass fed stuff is a totally different story. And it's been the story of my life since I, since I got out of the UK where Kerrygold is just everywhere and you can buy it in any corner shop and went to Canada. Kerrygold is Irish butter. Um, really good, organic, cheap. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it might not be, it, it's not what the what untapped growth and these guys are talking about. It's nothing on that level. But Canada has nothing for dairy. Mexico has nothing for dairy. It doesn't. It's not a thing here. Cream doesn't exist. Uh, it's it's a very rare thing to find unadulterated cream here. You really do need to know a farmer. But in in uh, Canada, you can't do that. In Canada, it's millions of dollars in fines if you give some. If you're a farmer and you've got cattle. And you try and sell someone milk without a dairy license, it's literally seven figures in fines you oh, get for that. And get that means there's about four or five companies. In my province, I think there's I think it's Island Dairy, Avalon, Donya Farms, uh, and one other company, I think, maybe one or two other companies that are able to produce dairy, and it's all garbage but they're the only people that can get the dairy license. So there's no competition. There's no, there's no quality. And, uh, and it's been a big shame because I was a big fan of dairy. So that's gone. Um, finding good quality meat is really hard. And this, this, is, this is my struggle, like finding good grass-fed, high-quality meat along with good quality dairy has been a real difficulty for me. And, uh, you know, I don't know why that name grass fed Bitcoin popped into my head one day, because I think I was just thinking about uh, the bulletproof coffee guy. And he's always talking about grass fed butter. It's got to be grass fed butter. And, mm-hmm. and of course, we know the Omega is completely different. Like you're not supposed to feed cattle grain. We know that. And you're not supposed to feed humans grain either. And that's why everyone's fat. So, mm-hmm. you know, any farmer will tell you if you if you want to fatten up an animal, give it grain except that's what they do with the food pyramid to humans. And apparently no one's been able to put those two things together. <laughs> like, why is everyone fat? Oh, it's because of what farmers know. If you give them all grains, they'll get really fat. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Mate, do you remember then when, so you might have been of that generation, but I remember when we used to have butter in the fridge, then all of a sudden it switched to flora, you know, like spreadable butter or utterly butterly or something. And then it's all margarine. Yeah, margarine, like dog shit. Um, But at the time, it was like in the early 80s, must have happened around the early 80s, if I'm remembering correctly, all of this stuff started hitting the market. And that's what my my mom would start, you know, uh, picking up at the supermarket, because of course, it was cheaper and healthier for you. Like, and it was spreadable straight out of the fridge. Like, you know, no questions were asked. It's like, what chemicals do you need to put in there to make that thing? So nothing in history had been spreadable out the fridge, but then all of a sudden it was like, you know, brilliant. Oh, you know, innovations. Um, And then the other thing that changed, uh, I remember vividly, we always had the the dripping um, pot next um, next to the stove. So whenever you would cook bacon or, or any meat, any fat that rendered out of it would just go straight in the dripping thing and straight in the fridge. We do that now. We've gone back to that. Uh, you know, we, we live here in France and uh, we, we've, we're surrounded by duck. Unfortunately, yes, of course, the duck is grain fed. Uh, but when you buy the, the, the duck breast, 
comes with that nice layer of fat on it and you can render that out and you've got you know wonderful duck fat to to cook potatoes mm -hmm. with or whatever you know for your roast dinners um people think we're crazy for doing that and they're like no you just use olive oil or this or that or that and it's like it, oh god even the french even the french good question good question I'd have to start asking them. Weird fact about the French around here for all those French people that are listening. I went into our local épicerie just here and we know the owner and I asked her yeah. and she grew up, she grew up on a duck farm. Like she was, you know, Mrs. Poirat. She was feeding the ducks first thing before she went to school, you know, proper working lady. Um, she's still young around that, around uh, kind of my age sort of thing. Uh, and I said to her, can you please get me some some ducks eggs because I, I really enjoy duck eggs and I, I just can't find them in the supermarket anywhere and we are surrounded by ducks like absolutely surrounded everywhere you go is another duck farm and she looked at me and she said like, Daniel the ducks they don't lay eggs and what I looked at her, I looked at her I'm like Sabine where do you think the fucking ducks come from <laughs> so but this is the belief around here. You, you, you speak to a lot, and I've done this a lot, is the, the, the best joke I like to play on the, the locals here. But they, they, they slaughter the ducks before they get to egg-laying age. So all the ducks come as hatch, little hatchlings. They take them, they fatten them up, and they go to slaughter. So it just does not register to them. And they're like, when I show them pictures, I'll go on sainsbury's.co.uk. I'm like, look, I can buy six duck eggs on the internet, right? They're like, oh, that's disgusting. Who on earth would eat that? I'm like, wait till I show you goose eggs. <laughs> it's mental. Wow. Oh my God. It's such that's, a that's weird. Really but that shows okay. you, that shows you right there how even farmers are completely uh, disconnected, completely disconnected with, uh, with the animal and the, and the product that's insane that's like on the level of you know blackberries don't grow on trees they come in a plastic container from sainsbury's right like, yep like that's for a farmer though wow um mental i mean yeah it's that is mental mate that's done you isn't it <laughs> <laughs> well, i don't know like the margarine thing again that was another depressing thing about mexico was and there's margarine everywhere it's like 70 80 percent of what's there and the, the butter is just it's white it's pale white like it doesn't have that good yellow color you're supposed mm. to have like you know it's killing me like margarine is it's genuinely toxic and so is this beyond meat bullshit like i've already seen a study or two that says when you give this soy meat substitute shit to rats and mice you have a bunch of problems start like just you know way more this that and the other just a whole host of problems that just happened that i don't need to go deep down that rabbit hole because i intuitively know it's garbage and i'm not going to eat it and i hate it i hate all these people that have been you know these blue pill fucking morons that i've been telling for years like you know loosely associated people who i've been going on about bitcoin to Oh, I didn't buy any Bitcoin. I bought some stock in Beyond Meat. It's going to go great. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're probably going to make money, but fuck you anyway. Like, fuck you for being a part of this fucking thing that it's just, it's gross. It's not right. You shouldn't be feeding people this stuff. And But if you invest in stuff like that, because it's going to go up, I just, 
you Bitcoin meant you can make a shit ton of money and you don't need to compromise a single principle doing it, which is why it annoys mm-hmm. me so much. The fact that people feel the need to be on the inside, shitcoin scamming and stuff like that. I'm like, why isn't Bitcoin good enough for you? Like, surely, like, surely you can just buy some Bitcoin and have a bit of patience. Like, if you understand what you should, what I've given you every opportunity to understand by this point, uh, if I know you, that is, if you're some friend of mine or family acquaintance or something like that, I've just been going on about this for so long. Why do you need to invest in morally questionable stuff? Um, I don't know. That kills me. But I mean, another your boy DiCaprio all fired up on it, right? Like uh, you know, he's coming out saying I'm investing in um, like this Beyond Meat and all this kind of dog shit because I'm divesting out of um, oil stocks and all of this. It's just, mate, it's just amazing. It really is just crazy. But let's let's go back to like you you wanted to you wanted to like um I think dive into you called it middle class liberal. Um yeah, you wanna um, yeah, you're smiling and nodding. All right, man, rip it. Well, that stuff was um I don't know what what was that because we're both from the UK. I can speak a bit more um with a bit more nuance about the whole thing what was demonized for me was most recently brexit um trump then before that anything to do with the sun uh anything to do with the newspaper um, for listeners anything remotely populistic um anything to do with questioning the the dogma of diversity is our strength multiculturalism all of these things uh simultaneously required to believe gentrification is disgraceful and immigration is the greatest thing ever um you must only suffer you must never benefit that's that like this um all of these things that are just i mean i grew up in southeast london um every single i i'd say it was roughly 40 percent white and 60 percent uh, mixture of Indians and Bangladeshis and uh, Pakistanis. And so as a result, uh, my friendship group reflected that, right? Um, I don't, uh, I'd say, I'd say it was a, a weird thing and a, a strange experience. And I never had any problem with it. But at the same time, there were problems with it that uh, were impossible to discuss. Um, and it's it's a stupid thing, and and it was another red pill that I experienced way later. And it's also one of those things where you find yourself in very bad company immediately, which is annoying because there's no rational debate for it. You're either you're either completely in favour of just open borders, or you're or you're uh, the worst kind of uh, redneck. You know, just. Or, I don't know. I'm dancing around the word racist, but I don't. That that sort of that's too. That's kind of been devoid of all meaning now, as far as I can tell. So I'm not really sure what word I'd use for it. But um, you know, just just bigoted and like narrow-minded and just uh, not uh, just lacking humanity, right? Because but these these are sort of. Um, these values that had uh, that had emerged, where people were trying to be bigger than all that stuff, just got taken too far and got abused 
and now and were taken to the point where 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 I was left basically politically nomad to bring it back to the to the idea of just being middle class left wing and I was like where the hell do I go from this because I don't it's part of growing up basically is realizing there is no like uh, political home for anyone you're never going to be in ideological alignment with everyone in a in a particular group that said bitcoin i find myself constantly just if there's ever anything that sort of takes off in the bitcoin space that um i'm in ideological conflict with i find myself not as a result of the silo effect uh sort of um finding myself in phase with it, not as a result of the, the silo effect, just genuinely going, I've actually learned something here. And so, but a lot of it, like you say, the agriculture thing I was into, you know, for a long time before this. Education, that's great that that's making its way into the Bitcoin space. Um, art, that's great. NFTs has been a great, a great opportunity for us to sort of, to start going on about art, hasn't it? Like, just... <laughs> just if people can see that it's a scam if you can commission someone to make an nft and then manipulate the price of it really high and then sell it you know or in the case someone was talking about with modern art where they're saying you can pay someone 20 someone tweeted this it was great you pay someone 25 grand to make a piece of art you get it appraised for millions of dollars you give the thing away and you and then you have millions of to a charity and then you have millions of dollars in tax write-offs and you just avoided paying tax mm-hmm. and anyone looking at this thing that's you know the middle class lefty like perspective i come from is telling you it's the height of culture and anyone from the working class demonized mass like not masses but the, the populists anyone from that is looking at it saying that looks like bullshit and you're being told oh you're so unsophisticated you're so you know primitive in your understanding and this is why like i'm looking have you followed the whole Remnant, Svetsky, you know, yep. Francis Puglio. Have you been following all that? Because yep. I'm trying to come back around to it and going, I come from an elitist background with a few people that think they're better than everyone else because, you know, uh, well, there's a million reasons why. But now I'm coming back to it and going, you can actually be better than everyone else. and But you don't do it by listening to people and outsourcing your, your own intuition and your opinions to corrupt scientists and corrupt institutions. You have to actually have a lot of integrity and be honest and speak the truth when everyone else is afraid to. And that's how you can genuinely look at yourself and go, I am actually, um, well, I do feel like I have some courage and some backbone finally in a world where that's quite a rare thing. Yeah, it's my, it, it's like being here and uh, being part of this is, is so challenging in, in every single, in every single way. Uh, Let's go down the education route, because like I said at the beginning, I, I listened to you, Keith, and, uh, uh, <clears throat> and Tom on um, your, your podcast, talking about separating education from state. And, you know, as, as you know, my kids are on Galileo, your, your daughter's trying out now. Something's led you to take a close look at the education system and come to a, um, a bit of a realization. You know, what was going on in Canada, I'm sure it was all fine up until a point. But what was that point where you're just like, hmm, hang on a minute? Well, um, I don't know, because me, I don't want to speak out of turn. Me and my, my other half have, when we share a perspective, it's not the, it's not exactly the same. She's a little different. She has a lot more time for the 
for the for the structure of it, even if it's arbitrary in nature, just the idea of creating a routine for kids and all that stuff. Like, uh, and she's right to an extent. Uh, I don't place the same, I don't weight the same importance on it as she does, because uh, I have, I've, I really like um, the success I've had in my approach, which has been to completely write it off altogether and do it entirely what you want and what to be followed entirely by what motivates you. Um, I always found any arbitrary structure placed on me at all. Uh, I could never divorce myself from the fact that it's just arbitrary. I'm like, I'll do this when I want to do it, not now. Like, I'll learn to tell time when I want to learn to tell time. And that that's what brings you to Galileo. It's like, look, I don't want to teach my daughter stuff she just doesn't want to learn. Because if it's genuinely important, she's going to want to learn it at some point. Like, And I always remember back to, I learned to tell time way before everyone else did because everyone else waited until it was in the curriculum. I learned because I just wanted to know how to tell it. Mm-hmm. And um, not... And it might have been later, or it might have been earlier, but I wanted to tell time uh, when I was like four or something, and it, it wasn't in the, the the curriculum in the UK at the time. So when I did learn it, I was like, "How do you not know this?" Well, no, we didn't need to know it yet. So back to sorry, I'm I'm drifting off as I always do. No, but do. like um, just 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 to like on that point right there, what the masses would do in that situation would like they would look at you. And then they would look at like the rest of the class or their own kids or whatever else. And they're like, man, like that kid is super smart, super smart. Like he's an anomaly because just because you had the interest and you wanted to do something for them, because it hadn't come up in the curriculum yet. It's like, well, Johnny shouldn't be telling the time at the age of four. That doesn't come into the curriculum until seven. But you know, what stage of reading is your Billy at? Like, you know, and all of this fucking bullshit comparison everybody's got to be tested and everybody's got to be learning at the same speed. And if somebody slightly overshoots, then they're labeled special in inverted commas. And if somebody undershoots, they're labeled special in inverted commas. You know, it's just complete nonsense. It just is the most ridiculous way to organize a society uh, and like, kids. What are we doing to kids? Yeah, I agree with what, um, again, a reference to a tweet, I think it might have been Nick Sabo that said many people will never experience bullying of any kind or never would have experienced bullying of any kind if it hadn't been for a public school system. 100%. And I think that's completely true because work workplaces are places of productivity. Ideally, you're there voluntarily because you want to help create something and you're not there because of qualifications or any sort of accreditation. All this is bollocks. And I'm really happy to, to have seen someone recently say, I, I will hire with like extreme prejudice anyone that went to college for a bit and quit very quickly. I, yeah. I love that because it's, I want to work with people that see bullshit for what it is, don't get scammed. Because if you do, you're you're a bit slow on the uptake. And I want to work with people that are sharp, right? So the, you, let me get back to what you asked me a second ago because you were saying what um, mm-hmm. what is it about the education system in Canada or perhaps just more generally that led me down this path as opposed to just the fact that it suits our lifestyle, having these online classes that we could do from anywhere. And university, I spent, I spent, um, I feel like we've talked about this already, but not, not, uh, not recorded. Um, but I'll, I'll elaborate. Um, when I was doing, I did my GCSEs, which is the end of mandatory school in the UK. You can't not do GCSEs really, though you can if you want, but you're not supposed to, or something like that. But I mean, 
the 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 pressure just sort of slowly eases off after that. Like you can not do it, but you should do it. Uh, after GCSEs is A levels, which is two extra quote unquote voluntary years. But the prevailing wisdom of our culture says if you don't get your A levels, it's going to be harder for you to find a job than if you do. So I did my A levels, but I was already a really successful musician by the time I was doing them. So I didn't put any priority on them. I didn't. I started not going to classes, and I'd been I'd been very very disciplined my whole school career. And for my GCSEs, I got I did uh, ten or eleven of them. I can't remember, and the majority of them were A's, and I even got an A star for something. So I took it very seriously and tried really hard. And I don't credit this with any intelligence, by the way. I'm just saying GCSEs were a memory test, and if you're if it's beaten into you that they're important, you'll do well at them. That's it. So I did well at them. My A levels are completely fucked up. I think I got an uh, I think I got an F for physics. I don't even know what I got for maths, and I think I got a C for music, which was ironic because the morning I got the results, I was doing a huge musical in London uh, to thousands of people, uh, and I had a really important role in it. And the morning I got my results, I, I was a C in music, and I hadn't written one of the essays that I needed to write. The whole I just thought the whole thing was stupid. Like I don't so. And then, but the whole time, the pressure through my whole teenage years was university. And everyone I know went off to university to study bullshit and pay a shit ton of money to do it. General studies, media studies, all of these, all of these, like, all these things that have no reason to exist. Social studies, like uh, PSE, I think it's what but sports, like, you know, sports science or something, <laughs> they dress it up as, like, you know, it, it, oh, yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. I remember I remember PSE and I think another letter got added to it like at some point like what's that political that... Uh, political social education or something and uh, then yeah. it it turned into like they they added another letter you know it just it was one of these things that like if you said you got an A level in it everyone laughed at you and quite rightly so but I mean I just remember thinking like I'm supposed to go to university I'm supposed to go to university I feel pressure that I don't know what I'm going to study at it yet and eventually, I just, I just started going. This is all bollocks, and it's one of the few things I'll pat myself on the back for. Even like, even more so than having like, you know, the conviction to be a Bitcoiner for all this time, was just knowing that this was a waste of my time, and just being like, why would I go to university? Even if it was free, this is a waste of my time. It's, I'm going to have to pay a fortune to do it. I think it's at the end of the day, me saying to myself, I feel like, mate, you don't, you have no idea, you haven't. You haven't settled on anything yet, so you're doing the default, which is going to university, uh, and, and you have no idea what you're going to do. You're just going to spend a year taking drugs, trying to get laid, and studying something that you're not even sure you're interested in, because it might increase your chances of getting a job. And who wants a job anyway? I don't even know. When I know what it is I want to do, I'll learn how to do the thing that I need to do for that. Like, it's just, I'm sorry, but everything about education is just prioritized about proving to people that you can do what you're told that's it and that's not no one is I'm sorry that's that's a that's a john taylor Gatto quote it like yeah. um the, the something along the lines of the uh the level of your grades uh is uh is a signal to an employer how manageable you are yeah but the problem is you're never going to have a job worth doing if the only characteristic the employer was interested in is can this person do what they're told because no one wants to employ someone that they have to keep telling what to do all the time they want to employ people that are interested in doing what they're going to do and take care of it themselves because 
like if I want to delegate a task to someone, I want if I'm like, hey, I need you to build me a swimming pool in my backyard. I don't want someone that I have to hover over their shoulder the whole time and I'm fairly confident they'll do what they're told. I want someone that does a great job and I come back in a few months and it's amazing what they've done because they want to do it. Like, and I'm going to look at people and they'll show me, you know, gardens they've designed before and they, this is just what they want to do. It's their passion. I'm not interested in their A-level results. I'm not interested in whether they got a degree. And like, and it's the same with music. Like, And this is right. this is one of the most fucked up things I ever realized was in music, there's all these people that come out of these music colleges that are trying to get big gigs and stuff. And I'm like, welcome to reality, mate. No one wants to, no one is interested in the fact that you've got a degree in music. They're just going to listen to the way you play. And then I realized, oh my fucking God, that's the same for everything else, including all the sciences. So you can go and have a therapist or a doctor or anything like that. Just because they have doctor at the front of their name doesn't mean they know anything about medicine at mm -hmm. all. So God, imagining having that realization Mate, when you're when you're confronted with the person you are as a product of society in the 80s and 90s, the the kind of person I'd become was if someone's got a doctor before their name and a bunch of letters and a white coat on, they know more than me and I need to listen to them. And then I realized, wait a sec, that's not true in music. So it, in fact, that's not true for humans in general, just because they've got accreditation. It's not the same thing. It's proof of work, but it's not proof of the relevance of that work. So, you know, it's there's nothing there. There really isn't. And it's it's just it's complete illusions and smokes and mirrors. It's just fucking funny to see it and have, to have it to have it unravel in my life. And now, so what am I, 33 or something? I was born in 88. Um, I can I can never remember how fucking old I am. And now it's just I tweeted the other day like I used to like me back in the day climate change is real it's caused by you know human activity blah blah whereas at this point in my life i'm wondering if triangles really have three sides or not or if that's just a, a government psyop and it's just something i've been led to believe like it's i've really gone down this path of like jesus christ i cannot take anything for granted and consistently everything i used to mock is now something i now have to treat respectfully like i've got a gun up in canada I, I no longer believe, uh, you know, even these things, that, oh, abortion is just a clump of cells. It's not life. Yeah, all of these all of these things I've been told and told and told. And I'm like, actually, I don't think that's true. And I never had the balls to even ask the question before. I just didn't want to look stupid. So, yeah. And sorry, man. Ramble, ramble, ramble. But... <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Well, we should. Um, all right. Let's let's do start nine. Let, let's let's get you uh, riffing on what's going on there. Because what well, well, explain to the listeners what Start Nine Labs is. Start Nine Labs is a company that initially got founded when they were a couple of guys, Matt Hill and I think it was Aiden or Keegan McKelland, one of those two brothers who are both working for the company. They were trying to set up a lightning a lightning node, and it took them ages of screwing around. Oh, sorry. I'm just gonna walk this direction and get away from the lawnmower. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, it was two guys that got together and tried setting up a lightning node and just dicking about with all of the, the config stuff. Um, they were like, this is never going to catch on because it's too difficult for people to do. So uh, with that realization, they decided let's make something that makes this whole thing a lot more plug and play. And that might be not that novel a concept uh, just with regards to that. But then if but then what it snowballed into was a massive um, 
a massive operating system um, that allows people to have their own personal server in a plug and play capacity where all of these essential things where you rely on third parties like uh, social networking, messaging or, or um, file storage, cloud storage or uh, password management, all of these really important tasks that you've got that you're relying on third parties for, you can do your own, uh, you can do on your own, but without any of the technical knowledge needed to be able to do those things, because they're really difficult to do for most people. You're not a systems administrator. You're not, you haven't been, you know, you're, you're not a coder or whatever, but in that means you're kind of left in the situation. I always look at it like um, to be an adult in a digital age, to do the equivalent of tying your own shoelaces, you have to get a little bit of technical proficiency, but at the moment the barrier is just too high. And that's what start nine aims to fix. And there's a lot of projects that do something similar, but start nine does it on the most, um, on consistently the most manageable and approachable level. Like if you want to, for example, if you want to get away from posted chat, which is my favorite thing that Start9 allows for, um, posted chat being things like Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or, you know, even just messaging on a platform like Instagram or Twitter or any of these things, people get pissed off with those platforms, right? And they're right to get pissed off with them because big data does all sorts of egregious stuff that everyone is complaining about all the time. But they always end up moving to another hosted platform, something like, uh, you know, Signal or Telegram or one of these other things that's supposed to protect your privacy and all that, but you're still hosted by someone else, which means best case scenario, you've improved things a little bit and you've uh, had some respect for your privacy. But worst case scenario, you've just walked right into a honeypot because there's been some controversy around Signal. And we don't, and, you know, we haven't seen really much evidence that the servers that they run, um, because, you know, you're not, when you use Signal chat, you're not hosting the data on your own device locally, and then it's just hosted on your friend's device. There's a server in between you two. So we've, we've, there's some controversy around whether Signal actually run the open source software on their servers that we think they run, because it's a bit of a false sense of security saying, oh, it's all open source, because it's still hosted. So then you get these protocols that pop up, like Matrix and Switch and stuff like that, where they say, okay, we can have self-hosted chat, but try setting it up for yourself, because it's so complicated that no one's able to do it. So that's what Start9 does. They go and do things like, oh, you want to have a Mastodon instance so you can host your own social network. You want to have a Matrix instance so you can host your own chat. And you want to be <coughs> financially self-sovereign, so naturally you get a Bitcoin node, you get a Lightning node, you get all the different implementations. You get LND, you get C Lightning, you get uh, the different, uh, uh, what's the word, GUIs that sit on top of Lightning, like Ride the Lightning, um, Thunderhub, stuff like that. And then, you know, you even get things like, um, uh, what's that, uh, what, Bitwarden. Sorry, yeah, I always forget that because I don't really use a password manager. But all of these things can be self-hosted. And when you, when you self-host them, it's great, but most people don't self-host because it's too difficult. So that's basically the, the long and short of what Star9 does. Is it makes this important thing, um, or something we consider really important, and we say the revolution will be self-hosted, uh, it makes it doable because if it's too much of a technical head fuck, people aren't going to do it. But at the same time, the motivation for people to switch to these platforms only comes from, um, it only comes from 
the traditional hosted versions of these things being so nasty in the way that they behave that it, it's it's just like that Safadine thing where he says the best way to destroy Bitcoin is for the government to adopt the gold standard again, because then Bitcoin would actually have some competition again. So my perspective on this is as long as Twitter keep censoring truthful information about the vaccinations, uh, you know, anything to do with anything that's conceivably on the right side of the political spectrum, as long as Facebook carry on. I don't even know what Facebook have been screwing up with lately. Everyone's saying delete Facebook. I don't even know why. Um, but as long as they carry on being the assholes that they are, there's going to be some motivation for people to get away from these platforms. And that's great. And they've got Start9 sitting there waiting for them. Just buy a personal server. It's the counterpart to the personal computer revolution. You need the personal server too. Otherwise, you know, it's the, I'll round off with this, it's the client server model, right? But that is the master slave model. If all your data is hosted lo uh, remotely, uh, whether it's Google Drive or whether it's all your pictures in a Facebook album or something like that, that data is not your data because it's not your server. So you can get kicked off. You can get denied access. You have to take responsibility for it. It's just like Bitcoin again. You're saying not your keys, not your coins, but it's also not your instance of Mastodon. It's not your social network. It's not your photos. It's not your, it's not your cloud storage. It's not your data. It's not your backup. Nothing is yours unless you're hosting it yourself. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much. Uh, well, I'll round it off there. Sorry about going off. Right, so mate, long, a few, but... a few, a few things to to go on here. This is the day, the day that Facebook is down, Instagram is down, WhatsApp is down, and it looks as though yeah. somebody's hacked it, taken Facebook.com and put that domain on sale on a domain website sales list. <laughs> it's the fucking best. Whoever's done that. Whoever's done that, like hats off, it's just amazing. But like, you know, that could not be a better use case for what you are doing at Start9 Labs. And I'm looking at your, uh, like your store right now, Embassy um, is like 490 bucks for this thing. It looks like a, it looks like a Raspberry Blitz node with uh, like a, uh, a, a one terabyte SSD. So that mm. would be that now becomes your own personal decentralized server. So you would just plug that in. How would it work? Like for, for a moron like me, one of these turns up, what do I do? I plug it into my router or like what, what, what's, what's next? Yeah. That's literally it. You just, you it's a Raspberry Pi inside. Uh, it's not going to be for much longer because there's a global shortage of Raspberry Pis and uh, we're, we can be multi-platform anyway. So yeah, you get it, you plug it in, it boots up, uh, you go to an address on your laptop, whatever it is. Uh, you can access it from anywhere in the world because it makes a Tor hidden service for everything. Um, and then you can set it up as how you want. You can install various applications on it. They're all one click. So you'll want to install Bitcoin Core most likely. You click on it and it will say, okay, uh, we're downloading the blockchain. See you in seven or eight days or however long it takes to, to start from scratch. Um, you want to install Lightning? Okay. Lightning works and it will configure itself. Everything comes pre-configured to, to fit. So lots of applications logically work together hand in hand. So for example, there's an application on it called Pages, which automatically um, sets up a Tor hidden service website for you. So whether you want to make your own Silk Road or something like that, it's a website that will be hosted there, but it interfaces with your uh, with file browser, which is a cloud storage application. So if you have any photos or videos or anything like that in your cloud storage, uh, you can 
you can use them on the website you're making on another app, which is the Pages app. So everything interacts like as it needs to, because as I said, all this stuff is super complicated to do. And you brought up, uh, oops, sorry, uh, are you still there? Yep, go ahead, go on. Oh, sorry. You brought up uh, Raspberry Blitz. So I think I, it's always nice to address that because people ask us all the time about how these different products compare. And Start9 is in a league of its own. It is a paid product and it does justify being that. Though I will also say you can just compile it yourself for free. It's still fully available source code. And there's some controversy around all that stuff, which I'll get into in a minute. But um, Start9 justifies charging for its product because it, everything, there's a whole bunch of ways in which it's just better than all of the competing similar things. Because there's like 20 projects that do something similar to what Embassy does. Like Umbrella is a very well-known one. Raspberry Blitz, which you mentioned, and you've got my node and um, uh, I, the other examples escape me right now. But all those things tend to just be a bunch of Docker containers that are designed to interact with each other. They spin up really quickly and easily. And it's just a shell script to get it all going straight away. But there's nothing in the GUI when it comes to, or sorry, the, the interface of how this thing works that, um, that allows you to modify everything without having to SSH in and needing a little bit of technical knowledge, which kind of makes the thing a bit redundant in the first place. Like Start9's embassy is really aimed at people that need everything to be done within a nice user-friendly interface in a reliable way. So it's so solid that I've, I've got this embassy. Uh, I compiled mine myself. And it's still like, and I'm, I'm pretty newbie when it comes to this stuff, it still works so reliably. And I had an umbrella and I was so sick of sitting around in the Telegram support saying, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? Along with two or 3,000 other people. And that never happened with my embassy. And when you're running a personal server, you need the thing to work all the time because that's the point of a server. You don't want your chat to be down for an hour and or you know, or your social network, or your or your lightning node. You can't have any downtime with that. It's particularly true for lightning because lightning, uh, if you're running a uh, a routing node, as it's called, um, one of the main uh, metrics that other people will look at when choosing to open channels with you uh, is your uptime. And if you drop out for a couple of seconds every now and again, you fall way down the ranks. So you want to be online 100% of the time, no hiccups at all. So. Yeah, there's a lot of justification for that. And uh, what else was I? I was going to come back to something there, but uh, my head is just baking in this Mexican sunshine. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking now, like, uh, my, my mind is thinking, so if you've got your own server in your own home, that's where you can host all of your, like, your private pictures, all of your movies, you know, just dumb shit that people are doing, right? Uh, you know, the, the slightly more advanced for those people that are programming, hosting their own website. If they've got their own freelance business or if they're drop shipping or whatever they're doing, that, that, that can now be hosted purely by you and you're not dependent on a third party and you don't have to pay that third party and it's completely yours. Yeah, exactly. Um, this should be the model everyone wants to move to. Everyone should be uh, yeah, sick. Yeah, let's of decentralize servers. Like, you know... It, yeah. Well, I mean, it makes me laugh that um, you have Donald Trump getting kicked off of social media. You have Alex Jones getting kicked off social media. You have lots of big figures. But, I mean, nothing quite as remarkable as having a sitting president silenced off of social media. And, again, though, everyone got upset with it, but everyone just moved 
to another platform. Everyone was like, that's it. I'm done with Twitter. I'm done with Facebook. I'm moving to Gab or Parler or, you know, BitChute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're all still yeah. hosted. They're all hosted platforms. So yeah. at the end of the day, it's not about like saying Facebook is, you know, I don't even want to use the word liberal or whatever it is. It doesn't agree with my political ideology. It's censoring me, so I'm going to move to another hosted platform where it is. I mean, I, I liken this so, to so for so for know, example, for like you know your your podcast or my podcast, I use Anchor, which is obviously owned by Spotify. I'm relying on Spotify servers staying up and pushing all of my um, episodes out onto all the different platforms or whatever else. Uh, I, I don't pay for that. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't. Uh, but yeah, so would I would I be better off buying an embassy and hosting all of my own episodes on my own server and then pushing them out onto these different platforms? Because then, if Spotify goes down, I guess there, there's so many of us that rely on that. Almost all yeah. the podcasters I know rely on Anchor, which is owned by Spotify. Yeah, I mean. What I do for our podcast is I host episodes of our podcast on my own pages, which is on mm. my embassy. So if you know my onion URL, you can go onto that and download episodes of our podcast. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the user friendliness of Spotify. It doesn't have nice, you know, a nice interface where you can press play and stuff. But what it does have is no one can troll me. No one can say, oh, they're violating my copyright. And then I've had YouTube, I've had copyright strikes thrown at me on YouTube for things that are not true, that are completely irrelevant to, not, you know, just because you can do that. If you don't like a YouTuber, you can go on their channel and say, uh, this violates some copyright. And if you don't have over a thousand subscribers on YouTube, you'll get banned by some automated message and you won't even have any recourse. So again, you just don't want to be treated like that. But at the same time, um, it's a little, there's a whole bunch of things to say about what you just said, because you're doing a podcast, it's necessarily public anyway, and things that are necessarily public with a huge reach can become unrealistic if you're doing it with a tiny personal server, because, you know, you need massive servers to do stuff like that. And, you know, Spotify and YouTube and platforms like this have huge server farms that are necessary in order to handle the traffic they get. And even then, as we've just seen today, things like Facebook, they still go down. So talking about decentralized uh, services, that's further down the line. That is part of what Embassy want to do. They want to make it so that there are, there's a kind of mesh network, because right now we're quite reliant on Tor, but there can be a way in which enough people have embassies that everything has a redundancy. You can Once you get big enough, you can have redundancies all over the place, which, I mean, I already use this now. I have essential backups of mine that I store on other people's embassies in an encrypted fashion, whereby if my house burns down and I lose my internet and I lose my laptop and I lose my hardware wallet or whatever, I can, I can connect to someone else's embassy somewhere else, download the files I need, decrypt them, and then get back to where I was in the first place without depending, yes, I'm depending on a third party, but it's a third party I'm making a personal arrangement with. And that can be a light in the future. And this is not a very distant future. This is just saying, I don't want to use Google. I don't want to use Google Drive. I don't want to use iCloud. I want to just 
personally pay via lightning someone on a person to person basis it is not free it's going to be but it's going to be something where i pay a tiny bit of money for a mm-hmm. service rather than i am the service i mean you know the mantra right if you're if the product is free you are the product yep. yeah so in this case i don't want to be the product anymore i want to do a traditional transaction where i say i want to store some data can you make some room on your embassy for me yeah sure and they they don't need to have all of the data and there can be overlaps so i can store it on 10 people's embassies and none of them have all of the data themselves but if two or three of them drop off i still have enough between the remaining seven or eight of them to recompile all the data and get it back together and also more importantly none of them can decrypt it themselves not without the the private keys and this is the amazing things we again that we see with lightning like their gg was posting today about you know using uh, ln URL auth, which is a way of using Lightning to sign into platforms rather than typing passwords, you use actual Lightning itself. So all of these things are coming together in a way where you can decentralize the web again, you can uh, break reliance on big data platforms, and it's beautiful to see. And again, I don't want to go too much with the mass adoption thing. I think it does speak to the remnant Bitcoiner, but it doesn't speak uh, it doesn't necessarily speak to the super technical Bitcoiner, and they're two different kinds of people. Because if you're super technical, you've already done what you wanted to do in this case anyway. You don't need an embassy necessarily, though it does make it super easy anyway. And you don't, you know, even if you're super technical, you might not have the time. So it, it's a justifiable thing to get. But on the other hand, I see all these people that that are not technical, like the literally people that are just raising capital right now that understand hard money, all that stuff. But they want to break their reliance on, particularly on uh, cloud storage platforms, social media platforms, uh, chat platforms, and you know even things like hosted Lightning wallets, uh, hosted Bitcoin wallets, even. And they can do it now. They understand the need for it, but they just don't have the technical chops. And that's what Embassy is. It's such a time saver that you get it, you plug it in. That's what the experience really is. I'm going to be uh, demonstrating a full setup of one at Tone Bay's conference in dubai uh, i think it's i think it's at the end of next week um it's a mission to get to dubai right now from mexico yeah, massive. Yeah, man. good luck yeah but we've just finished uh or i i don't want to say we finished it because a lot of people are like huh we've we've been working on the 030 upgrade for embassy which is a huge upgrade and it's been months in the making we initially said it was going to be july 4th we've been running really late with this and Everyone's been really understanding, though, in, in software, that's just how it goes. It's, it takes a long time, and it's really hard to estimate things. But we're, we're already internally within the company actually running it now and squashing bugs. So it exists. Uh, we'll probably have a public beta, I want to say. Everyone says beta because we're in American <laughs> land. But we've, we've got a public beta of it coming out in uh, I believe at the end of this week. I think it will be the end of this week. It might be a little bit longer than that, but really excited about that. And yeah, I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that we see a lot more people running these things. And uh, we we now have uh, the awkward transition of getting to a Rook Pro 64 or something like that because Raspberry Pis, as I mentioned, are just there's just none of them in the world right now. You just can't buy them anywhere. Uh, the Canadian reseller says. Uh, if you buy one, you'll you should expect it in February 2022, which is unbelievable how how scarce they've become. 
That's mental. You know, yeah, it is. So, I mean, they're great as far as personal servers go. They just they use so little electricity. They're not the most amazing computers ever, um, but nonetheless, I mean, we're doing well with this project. And there's some things are harder to decentralize than others. And the hardest thing I can think of is video hosting because it just uses so much bandwidth. Um, running a decentralized YouTube is just that's the holy grail for me. Like, mm -hmm. and it's like I said, you know, this whole not your keys, not your coins mantra needs to expand outwards to all the other areas of digital, you know, life, but not with this whole weary blockchain everything, uh, tokenize everything attitude that's been going on in the because this is what was so refreshing about Start Nine is that. Um, since Bitcoin, everyone has been trying to recreate every other digital service, but using a blockchain for no reason. And then they have some scam coin that goes along with it. And then they realize the whole thing's a complete waste of time. Or, you know, or they keep trying to keep the, the ship afloat like they do with Ethereum and these other ridiculous projects. Um, it's so refreshing to see people come along and go, okay, we can do it all, but everything's just going to be somehow done, integrate lightning. Or, you know, you just self-host and you don't need... Uh, you don't need it to be, when it comes to things like, uh, you know, password management, stuff like that, you don't need it to be on the whole world in a thing that everyone's verifying themselves. Same with a social network. Like if you have a Mastodon instance, you integrate with other Mastodon instances, you don't need a blockchain. You don't need everyone around the world running everything and knowing everything at the same time. That's not necessary. Like, it's, again, like even with... Oh, that's a bit of a tangent, but this is what I find so weird about the NFT thing is that when you buy something and you want proof of ownership of something, no one cares apart from the person that sold it and the person that bought it and someone you might sell it onto later. It's a personal private contract of ownership. That's it. It's not like with Bitcoin where you need to know the entire history of ownership of the whole of the thing. Uh, in in order to verify how many of the things exist in the system as in, in total, which is a completely different thing. But everyone's saying we're going to replace social networks and chat platforms and all that with a blockchain, and we're going to we're going to we're going to make it so that everyone needs to know everything at the same time and verify, ver make it possible so that everyone can verify everything together, but <laughs> with a really complicated application, not Bitcoin. So it's like, well, then you're only going to be able to have massive data centers do it, and then it will become centralized. So why use a blockchain in the first place? Just keep it decentralized. So like I said, all that stuff, do away with it. No more blockchain everything. No more tokenized everything. But yes, we can still decentralize stuff. And we can break dependence on massive big data platforms. We can finally start to just ease off with this just childish approach to the digital realm which is just everyone is just oh you know yeah i always hated the idea that like oh it's not consumer ready yet like this whole like uh, this is one of those things i get like snobbish about north american culture for like the customer is always right so no they're not like and in bitcoin you don't get to come into bitcoin and go oh this is too difficult and oh blocks are too small and transactions take two you don't know elon you don't get to come in no, you have to adjust to bitcoin you have to learn how to use it it's never going to change for you and if you can't handle that you'll have to leave your coins with a third party and then you risk them stealing so you need to learn to tie your own shoelace and i hate this consumer tech 
attitude that people like Vinnie Lingham come along with and say, like, lightning's not going to work. It's too this, it's too that. I'm like, no, it's going to work because people aren't going to have any alternative. And then eventually they will use it. So it's, just, it's this attitude of, like, if you, can, if you want the freedom, you need to be able to handle the responsibility. That's all. Like, you can't have one without the other. You can, you can totally have uh, no responsibility at all, but then you're going to be living in someone else's, uh, according to someone else's rules. And that's, that's such an untenable situation for an adult. You just can't train people like that. I go full Richard Stormont with that, which is you, sh- you shouldn't be teaching kids in schools closed software. You shouldn't be teaching them how to use Microsoft Word or Google. You shouldn't be teaching them these, these platforms that control them. Don't make them use Google Cloud. Don't make them use Google Calendar. None of this stuff is appropriate for kids because it's, it's, it's bullying software that forces people. You can do this and you can't do this. Like, that's not appropriate. And it's, it teaches kids dependence and reliance, which is not what you want to be teaching. But, I mean, I understand it's necessary sometimes. But people have just grown up thinking that is what digital stuff is. You learn how to use interfaces. And those interfaces dictate what your behavior can be and what it can't be. And I'll, I'll round off with this. Um, I always think, um, I always liken people's attitude in the digital age to a teenager uh, asking their parents to drive them somewhere. And their parents have to either approve of the location or disprove of it. And even if they approve, oh, I can't take you for an hour, I can't take you, like, or I'm not taking you there, I can take you somewhere else. Or like even a world where there are no personal cars, there's just taxis. And if that was a world that we lived in, taxis would become regulated to the point where you could only drive to pre-approved government locations. The only reason taxis aren't like that is because cars still exist and you can drive where you want. So taxis couldn't exist like that. So I'm saying this is a world where you grow up, you hit your 20s and you decide, I need a car. I need to be able to drive where I want to go at the time I choose, because I'm not a kid. That's the way I see it. And I'm saying in the digital world, no one has reached that level yet, or it's very few people have reached that level where they're like, wait, I want to do what I want to do. I'm sick of having to, to, I'm sick of having my videos deleted off of YouTube. I'm sick of having my posts censored on Twitter. Uh, I'm sick of having to, I mean, everything ultimately comes down to is it your data or is it not your data? Am I in control or not? So there's all these there's all these things to take into consideration, but it basically just comes down to can you handle the responsibility and the maturity or not? And it's going to require a big shift of consciousness. It's going to require big data platforms to carry on being assholes, which we can rely on them for. Um, but I'm hoping we see it, and I'm, I'm hopeful it's going to happen. But this is the thing I do know is that the technology needs to exist and it needs to be really easy to use. Otherwise, people just won't do it. So that's why Start9 is essential. That's why uh, it justifies the huge success it has with investment rounds and things like that. Um, Because people are seeing how important this stuff is. And, you know, like, if you want to have the freedom a culture has when everyone can drive freely, not everyone has to learn how to make a car, right? But you like you need to have the freedom to buy one and to be able to operate it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to me spiel on about that. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you have it's any nice. more questions about how it works or anything? I, I I have not a question, but I have 
um, kind of uh, a realization that there seems to be a hell of a lot of FOMO around home mining at the moment, which is great to see. And now we're getting a lot of FOMO around uh, home hosting. We don't stop this. Like, this is not something that everybody just like looks at and like, yeah, yeah, can't be bothered. This is something that somebody looks at and like, holy shit, I want this. This is going to improve my whole life, my whole experience, my internet usage experience, the way I store things, the way I interact with the internet, the way I interact with other people, the way I can, uh, like yesterday, um, I released an episode with uh, the Wise Mining guys, and they're talking about how they've basically figured out how you can heat your whole home throughout winter, replace your boiler system, mine Bitcoin, use the same amount of electricity you were going to use anyway, heat your home, Voila, and you're the the centralizing and distributing the network even further and wider. And this is just like what Embassy is doing. That comes fully loaded with it. So it could be, you know, it's another Trojan horse. Maybe somebody comes at it just purely to host their own shit. Then they're like, what's this Bitcoin node thing all about? Mm. Another yeah. light bulb goes off. It, it, it's yeah, crazy. It's, not, it's like, yeah, it's, the, the, it's like, the way I, I, I'm thinking about it right now, like you said, the internet's growing up. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's the internet for grown-ups. This is how you use it if you're prepared to tie your own shoelace. Absolutely. And again, what and what you said is is completely right. Like you can be brought to this thing having no this is unlikely, but having no knowledge or interest in Bitcoin or Lightning. It can just be specifically because you want you want to be able to host uh, you're being attacked. <laughs> yeah. All right, I need to move to a different floor. <laughs> Look, um, yeah, you can move. You can, you could be brought to this thing for reasons other than anything to do with the financial element of self-sovereignty, because there's so many other areas in which you need to be self-sovereign too, which is your social media networks. And my personal favorite is always chat platforms because. I hate relying on Telegram or Signal or any of these things. And the thing I use my embassy for 90% of the time is Matrix Chat. And of course, you can run Sphinx as well, which there was a lot of excitement about. That's I haven't. That's kind of died down a bit lately, but not to take anything away from it, it's still an amazing application. Um, Matrix is incredible because Matrix is it's just one of those things that's unrealistic for most people to set up and to run, but Embassy makes it easy. So now I have Elements, which is the application that uh, uh, that uses Matrix, which is the protocol. I think I have that right. There's also Synapse, which is the implementation. No, no, I don't know. I don't. The the the, the nuance escapes me there. But Matrix Chat is amazing, and mo- I'd say about 60, 70 percent of my communication now, uh, at least over chat platforms, is done using Matrix. And that's only possible because I have an embassy. That would be too complicated for me to do myself. And it's secure comms. Like it's finally, and I feel it deeply. Like when I'm sent, if I'm messaging someone over, you know, Gmail chat or WhatsApp or something, I feel very careful about what I'm saying. If I use Signal or Telegram, my guard drops down a little bit. If I use Matrix, I feel genuinely like I can say whatever I want. 
I genuinely feel like I'm talking to a person face to face and there's practically no digital device around. Obviously, that's ironic because I'm still typing it into an Android or graphene mm. phone or whatever. But, but that feels like the closest thing we're going to get to genuinely secure digital communication. Because short of key loggers on devices or compromised devices in some other capacity, if you're communicating using matrix chat uh, and you're both self-hosting, you're the only two people with copies of that data. That's it. Everything else that happens in between is fully encrypted, but not in a way where you have to trust a server that's sitting in between you, like Facebook server or WhatsApp server or Instagram server or Twitter or anything like that. Because I'm so tired of depending on end-to-end -end encryption, people intercepting my data and me going, oh, but it's encrypted. Uh, and hopefully, you know, you know, it's a different story when you're, when you're self-hosting. And it's, it's very liberating. And it's something that needs to be taught and so many of these like there will be a zoom substitute because mm -hmm. we, we depend on zoom for everything there will be a spotify substitute where your music library is yours again instead of oh they deleted a song i really liked that was in my spotify playlist they just deleted it you know like they can delete an episode of your podcast too like if yep. it does something if it, like you know if it, the main one is always copyright violation but true or not so there will be substitutes for all these things and there will be better and they'll be freer. And the way we bootstrap this whole thing, which is so exciting, is of course, always through Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the key into digital self-sovereignty. And it does teach you that initial piece of responsibility because there's such harsh punishment for failure. If you left your coins in Mt. Gox or Quadriga or any of these companies that went bust, then you lost not just a lot of money, but you watch every few years as that amount in dollars that you lost goes up by orders of magnitude. So you lost a couple of grand in Mt. Gox, that's millions of dollars in today's uh, price. So that that lesson is so powerful. So you've got to take responsibility for your own money. And I'm so grateful for it to be there because it just opens the window into everything else. Like, why can't I self-host everything else? Like my bank having my money, um, <clears throat> My bank having control of my money limits what I can do financially. Uh, so when I take personal responsibility of it using Bitcoin, the network, I have to learn a whole different system. But the freedom is incredible. So, again, it's not going to be easy. People have to learn how to use social networks that are self-hosted. That's a bit different to making an account on Facebook. It really is. Um, it, but it's worth it. And I've really hoped to see more people doing it. Man, you are the man for a job. It's, uh, you've got me thinking about it a great deal. And, you know, thanks for laying that out because uh, the, these are kind of, you know, hard concepts for most people to get, start getting their heads around. Uh, it's, it's redefining everything we've ever known in the past. So it's cool, man, R really, it's, it's excellent. Thanks for sharing. Um, I'm looking at the time and we've been going an hour and 40 so i should probably think i'm i'm happy to do this again and, and get into the uh, the other parts of the conversation we might not have you know pulled too many threads on but i always ask a uh, a question at the end of the show that uh goes something like this if you had one orange pill left to give to somebody who would you give it to and why oh it's a great question uh, it's sort of in the public sphere, a famous person. Anyone you want, man. Oh. 
oh man i wish you'd let me know you're gonna ask that I'm, gonna be, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely gonna be like why didn't i say that person in about an hour oh man just give me a second i want to i want to really because there's a lot of people the first one that jumps let me give you like a let me let me think out loud on it for a sec because sure. i would have loved if noam chomsky had uh had been orange pilled uh, I wish he'd have seen that because uh, I, at least I used to. I used to have so much respect for Noam. I used to really, uh, I used to love his commentary on things. And I considered him a pioneer in so many different fields that it would have been amazing. But he's been such a disappointment lately with the co- with with what he said about, um, you know, people that are hesitant to take the vaccines and all that stuff. And he's completely missed the mark on that, as have a lot of people. Um, Jordan Peterson, uh, but looks like he's already been orange pilled. So yeah, a year ago, it would have been Jordan Peterson, but he's already been orange pilled, so it would be a waste of the pill. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I want to say Donald Trump then, though. I think he kind of is more helpful as an attacker, don't you think? Like when he said, Bitcoin is an attack on the US dollar, I was like, you're right, but it's only you that thinks that's a bad thing. Well, it's only... You know, it's funny that you think it's a bad thing. So it's not only him. Ah, oh, God. All right. So there's got to be someone. He has else. been orange pilled anyway. David Bailey from Bitcoin Magazine has orange pilled him. Who? Face Trump? To, face to face. Yep. Oh, amazing. Well, there's got to be someone out there that. All right, then. Um, Jack Dorsey was very useful. I think Kanye already kind of is orange pilled. It's getting a bit late in the day, don't you think? Like, don't you think Bitcoin is kind of mainstream at this this is what sometimes we struggle with on on the for the love of bitcoin podcast is i think it won i think bitcoin won every battle it was going to face in 2017 and since then i've been looking at it like yeah i I don't know bitcoin it's like having an internet podcast i'm like yeah who doesn't think the internet is going to succeed at this point (laughs) (laughs) that might sound a bit arrogant but i think bitcoin 2017 i was like if it survives this there's nothing that will ever stop it. And it did. It survived, you know, all of these big blocker attacks. That was an internal nasty struggle. I still got to come up with an answer for you. Uh, to expedite the whole process, let's say, let's say the leader of a big country, but not America. Like, I, I was really, I think, yeah, this would be the right answer. Uh, and this is the most annoying way anyone's ever responded to this question, I'm sure. Um, Yesterday, uh, we heard talk of Brazil saying they were going to accept it as legal tender. That, to me, is a huge move. Um, not necessarily for the reasons people sort of jump to, but El Salvador is one thing. But a big country like Brazil that can't be ignored like El Salvador can, that would be very, it would expedite things in a way that's quite helpful. Though it has to be done right. I don't like the element of coercion that comes for it. And also, there's nothing to stop Brazilians switching over to Bitcoin as their standard, whether the government approves of it or not. But uh, nonetheless, it seems to help things. It seems to grease the wheels up nicely. So not Brazil. Let's say, all right, the president of Mexico. That's my answer. I want the president of Mexico to say Bitcoin is legal tender in Mexico in the most non-tyrannical fashion. I wanted to say, you can use it now. It's good for payments. All government institutions have to accept it. You know, um, it can be used as collateral if you want to borrow money, anything like that. You're not forced to, though. Okay, 
So they they use the, the is it uh, clause twelve or something in the El Salvadorian mm-hmm. uh, paper that said you know we're going to take out the element of force that naturally comes with legal tender. So if you can't accept it, don't worry about it. Like then then I'm absolutely fine with. It. So I'm going to say the president of Mexico, whose name I don't even fucking know, and whose country I'm currently living in. That's my <laughs> mate. Imagine the reverse of traffic at the border. It'd be fucking ice, wouldn't it? We like everybody yeah. instead of flooding into the US, they'd all just what? Okay, see you later. There's a wave of Americans trying to get across the border now into Mexico <laughs> because uh, they can take their Bitcoin with them. There'll be no uh, like uh, restrictions and they can use it as collateral. And uh, oh, it'd be awesome. It would be incredible. I'd love to see it. I mean, and they're already used, Mexicans are already used to using parallel currency, right? Everywhere is like, do you want to pay in pesos or US dollars? What's adding a third one? Like it's a lot yeah. harder to do, and I also I just think they deserve it. Mexico deserves it. It's been a bastion of freedom to any to any North American that's gone. This is this is fucked. They've always gone down to Mexico. It's always been that place where you can just where it's always been a naturally low trust society where everyone automatically understands. You don't just blindly trust authorities. They are corrupt. They are humans too. They, I mean, we just have such an ignorance and a, like a privileged you know, ability to ignore all that as people from either Europe or North America. People think the police are uncorruptible, that science is completely, they don't see all these things as the fast that they really are. So Mexicans do, and they, they, they deserve it. So I'd be very happy to see Mexico adopt it, transition, stick a middle finger up, and just generally succeed as a result, because their response to COVID has been, as far as I can tell, the best in the world. The, the president's come out and said, we got to remember Big Pharma have major profit motives, major conflicts of interest. We can't just blindly go around sticking everyone with, like no one else has said that. Like very few, I mean, the, the guy in Croatia has to his credit, he said, we're doing no more vaccination. But I mean, Croatia is Croatia, Mexico is Mexico. And I'm very, I'm very impressed with his response, uh, his resistance to it. And generally, I just think the country is kind of run by the drug cartels here as well. So they don't really care about masks and, you know, they just want to get money. And it's just balls out corruption rather than pretend humanitarian, caring, you know, all of this, that the tyranny of good intentions that comes with, you know. Oh, I mean, uh, like, look what's happened in the last two days, the Pandora Papers, right? Just completely outed any politician around the world that, you know, it hides behind all of this, um, everything that you've just said, like, uh, you know, humanitarian, you know, care for the climate, looking after the people. Oh, yeah, really? Embezzling as much money as you can at the same time, you bent bastard. Whereas in the, like you say, in the, in the Mexico, whatever, it balls out corruption, you know where you stand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're still going to get a nice taco, hopefully somewhere and um, and be left alone for the most part. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to, I've got to be careful what I wish for, right? And I should be grateful for what I have. But I will say that there's something so much more honest about a policeman saying, give me money or I'm going to arrest you, than there is about someone who says, give me money or I'm going to arrest you. And I need you to pretend that I'm doing the right thing morally. That's the one that annoys me. Like, if you're going to rob me, stop with the pretense of civilization about it. Just be fucking corrupt and admit that that's what you are. I'll give you the money, okay? Because you've got the gun. I don't have the gun right now. You're the state. You can do whatever you want. 
because I'm going to have to fucking bend the knee to you. But the one thing that just it's that the ultimate thing that kills me about it is that it's your fault. is the necessary, it's the necessary pretense that I it's for my own good. It's not for my own good. If you're gonna make me wear this mask, if you're gonna make me take this jab, can I not pretend it's for my own good, please? That's the one thing I hate because that's the real gaslighting. That's the real head fuck. Like you want to force me to do this thing, okay, I'll do it. But then with that. That, that little nasty bit at the end where they're like, yeah, and you can't disagree with it. You have to publicly advocate for it. If you're running a business, you've got to stick this sign up. You know, that's the bit where I'm like, that's the true evil of it all. But you've got to pretend it's all being done for morally righteous reasons. Because I think that, that was something I learned of Jordan Peterson. Like, you know, the, 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 the tyranny of, of fascism, of right-wing evil, they'll just hate you and kill you outright. But the equivalent on the left, he says, they take it even further. They say, this is being done for your own good. You're being killed for your own good. And you, and we will not stop until you appreciate us for what we are doing for you. You must. I love China. I, I love China. I thank China for re-educating me. Like those people that need that, the, the sycophancy, if that's the right word, the people that need you to become sycophantic, I should say, to who they are and what they're doing because they don't want to admit what bastards they are. Those are the ones I really fear, man. And that's what you get out of in any third world country, but in Mexico, especially it's just, yeah, I'm repeating myself, but it's just honest corruption as opposed to pretend civilization. <clears throat> man. Great place to, to leave that. Uh, where can where can people find you and learn more about Start Nine Labs? Let's make sure we, we get the plebs looking in the right direction. Yeah, so startnine.com. Um, we've got the whole origin of the name and everything up there. Um, we, we're just releasing a brand new upgrade. It's a great time. We've been treading water for the last few months trying to get this upgrade out. And now it's basically here. By the time this podcast is uploaded, I'm pretty sure the public beta will be out. Um, that's where you can find Start9. Um, me personally, my name is Grassfed Bitcoin uh, uh, on Twitter. Uh, I have a Mastodon instance, self-hosted, of course. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants to connect to that, please do. But um, it can only connect with Tor instances for now. Um, and I have a YouTube channel. Uh, and that is one thing I really hope people can help me out with a bit by subscribing to. Uh, it's Bitcoin Mechanic, all one word. Um, if you search for that, you'll find me on YouTube and it's mainly just an educational channel, but, um, I do rant and talk about COVID and politics and controversial topics a lot as well. And, uh, I do get in trouble with it on YouTube. (laughs) And this is why I ask for subscribers on there because, um, there's no recourse for me if my channel gets banned because it's not big enough to have a human respond to me if I get in trouble. So I need about 300 more subscribers before I can finally have a human that i can appeal to if the channel gets deleted uh, again one day thanks to the work of start nine labs and the people in this field uh i won't be depending on third parties like youtube or google um and this won't be necessary but for the time being i still have to deal with this and consider it a net positive well, if i can get educational stuff out about bitcoin yeah um if i can get positive stuff out about that um it's a necessary evil for me running a youtube channel so yeah, those are the, the places you can find me. Thanks so much for having me, man. I just subscribed. You're up to 28.6K subscribers. So 
That's a uh, Bitcoin mechanic. Um, oh no, hang on. Really? No, that's not me. No, that's no, not no, me. no, that's not. I just, I just uh, subscribed to Jimmy Song with your episode. Oh, cool. So, so what's your um, YouTube channel? Sorry. If you just search for Bitcoin mechanic, one yeah. word, it's, it's quite hard to find me. I've got 700 subscribers, but it's still hard to find me. Uh, I think just Bitcoin mechanic is one word and you should find me. Um, 707 subscribers. Yeah, I'm subscribed already, brother. I'm, I'm in there. Thank I'm you. one of them. Yeah. Thank you. I think they've made, I think I'm hard to find deliberately because uh, I had one video called COVID-1984 where I just right. go on a massive rant about what's obviously true. And, uh, you know, it had all the warnings below it about, like, you know, find out true information about the vaccine, all this stuff. And, you know, so I'm not in their good books. And uh, I've had someone making copyright claims against me for for incorrect reasons, but I don't want to deal with that legally. I don't want to have to go to court and fight about something, even if I'm in the right. It's just a waste of time and money. So, yeah, it will be a big shame if that channel gets removed because there are some really good videos about it. I've got a video on what Taproot is. I've got a video that documents the whole history of the fork wars that we went through between 2014 and 2017 about big blockers, all that stuff. And that's getting quite whitewashed lately because so many of the big companies in Bitcoin were the wrong side of it. So mm. they've all pretended that they're fine and they're not. And a lot of them need to apologize and correct. But instead, they've chosen to pretend history isn't what it is. And that is actually quite detrimental to Bitcoin because it exposed a lot of them, the mechanisms of how Bitcoin actually works to a lot of people who didn't understand it. So that Fork Wars video on that channel, I find really important. <clears throat> and yeah, other than that. You can you can yeah. move these across to Bitcoin or TV, right? That's uh, Matt Odell is setting up. Yeah, you, you mentioned that to me. Uh, I did uh, message him about it. I haven't heard back from him yet. So okay. I'll probably I'll mention. Um, yeah, if you give him a nudge, that would be helpful. Uh, I've never had any interaction with Matt Odell uh, or Marty Bent. Uh, and I'd like to. I, I really look up to those guys. Uh, I like what they do in the space. So either way, I'd be happy for that to happen. All right, brother. Yeah, I'll give him a nudge and, uh, and let him know. All right, man. Well, have, uh, have a great rest of the day over there in, in Mexico. Thanks for joining us and uh, educating us on, on Start9 and, and everything else that we talked about today. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's great to talk to you as well. Speak soon. Take care. See you later. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening and joining the conversation with Grassfed Bitcoin. Make sure you go and check him out on Twitter if you're not already following him. Uh, and you can check out Start9 as well. I think it's, uh, yeah, at Start9Labs on Twitter. And as he was mentioning, he's got a Bitcoin mechanic YouTube show, which you can go and check out as well. Reach out. He's going to be doing a lot of travel, uh, hopefully around the different conferences and introducing Start9 Labs to the plebs that are interested in this uh, self-service, uh, self-server um, kind of, this is gonna be the next thing, right? It's just a natural progression. There's a lot of people out there at the moment thinking about home mining. This is gonna, I'm already thinking about it. I would love to be able to mine from home and I'd love to be able to um, check out Start9 and, and get my hands on one of these things and see what little rabbit hole that creates for us all to crawl into and start exploring anyway thanks for coming on man really appreciate it look forward to the next time uh guys you know what to do if you're stacking or if you've got coins on an exchange it's really very important the bitcoin mechanic would 100 agree with me you've got to take control 
of those. Put them on a hardware wallet. That is the absolute first step you should take. You can use one from shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. That's the Bitbox 02 Bitcoin only edition hardware wallet. You can stack now with coincorner.com. You can stack with swanbitcoin.com and you can stack with relay.ch. Use bitten as the code all of these places. And don't forget, if you want tickets for Miami, head over to the website, use the code BITTEN, all in caps, to get yourself a 10% discount on those tickets. Take care, guys. Really appreciate all the, um, all the listeners and look forward to the next show. Take care.